Well, good morning, church. Hey, how many of you are excited to be in uh, the presence of Jesus this morning? Yeah. Well, hey, um, thanks for coming out in the cold and out in the snow and got a lot more snow last night than anticipated. I woke up, I was like, wow, we got a couple inches out here. Didn't know that. And uh, we're here before the freezing cold gets here this week, right? So I pray and hope that you guys will stay warm as that cold Arctic air is about ready to come. And I know some of us are like, stop talking about it. Just give me to Florida right now, right? Just give me somewhere warm. Uh, side note, and we'll pray for them at the end. We've got a team leaving on Tuesday to go to Sierra Leone, Africa to our village partnership. They chose the right week to leave to go to Africa. <laughs> so they're headed off on Tuesday. And uh, as Pastor Brandon closes out the service He's going to do a little prayer for them. But, uh, hey, you are probably sitting on a red card somewhere that probably looks like this. That is your invite card next week and out throughout the entire month of February. We are doing the next teaching series titled SOS, Sex, God, and Love. It's an entire series based on relationships. So even if you are like, I'm not married, still come because we're going to teach teach all of us how to love people well. So it'll be awesome. It's for singles, it's for married, it's for dating, it's for everyone. And so what we want to do is we try to give you simple tools in your hand to invite your friends and your coworkers and classmates. So we've got this little saying, and I'm going to have us repeat it after me. Say, each one, reach one. Man, if we all just grab one and say, God, who is it on my heart that you want me to just invite? And as long as you're obedient and you follow that, hey, that's in their court now. Whether they come or not, but you feel good and you did the right thing. So we give you that because I know a lot of us, man, it's hard to talk about our faith and I'm a little afraid. I don't know what to say to invite someone. Boom, here's a card. Just want to invite you to our series and I think you're going to have fun time. This series, we talked about it this morning as staff. This is not a PG-13 series. There's probably one week that will be PG-13 and I will give you the warning for that. I will say, hey, next week's the PG-13 message, and uh, it'll be a great message, but just to take advantage of our great daycare provided in the back with our kids' ministry, all right? For those of you that bring your kids, it's awesome back there. So um, I'll give you the heads up on that, and I say in this series, I will never be more graphic than what the Bible is graphic, all right? And just to let you know, SOS stands for Song of Solomon. We're going to work our way, and woo, that book is hot. Is some graphic stuff in that thing, all right? Just there is. We're going to have a baby boom at about 10 months after this series, all right? We're growing the church by doing this. <laughs> and then uh, there's also um, a marriage conference tagged along that you'll hear more about next week that we want you, if you're dating or if you're engaged and married, to come to this marriage conference. And again, we'll hear more about that next week. But we're going to wrap up our, our January series Breaking free by doing, uh, going back and looking at our theme verse. We've looked at this every single week, but here's our theme verse. It's got by the guy by the name of Paul who hated Jesus and then became a great missionary for Jesus. And this is what he says: Second Corinthians chapter ten. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish, what's this one word, friends? Strongholds. Those things in our lives that we just don't 
like. We know they shouldn't be there, but they're there. And it was just, we struggle with these things on our heart. And we just know, man, in Jesus' name, it needs to just let go. I'm tired of these things. And he says, we don't just have it. We don't just like to play around with it. No, no, no. We demolish these things. We, we wipe them out. We kill these strongholds in our lives. And it goes on. We demolish arguments and every pretension, everything that's pretending that it has power in our lives but doesn't, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we've defined for the last three weeks, stronghold, we can say it this way, it's a prisoner locked by deception. In your life, it, you think this thing has power, but it doesn't. In Jesus' name, it can get you can release that stronghold on your life. And it's living life by something that's just not true. And over the course of the last couple months, or the last month that we've journeyed together, we've talked about just week one, just the lies that uh, strongholds had. And we've, week two, we looked at addiction. Week three, which was last week, we looked at sexual strongholds. And then this week, we're going to look at something that I believe, for a lack of a better word, I'm going to call it an illness, but... I believe it's probably the number one illness that we face in America and perhaps the world. And it's depression. In fact, back in August, so not too long ago, five months ago, um, this pastor right here, Pastor Andrew, he's a pastor out in California, leading a thriving church, committed suicide. He was their lead pastor. Left his wife and three awesome little young boys. And left that church without a pastor. Left that church absolutely grieving. And he just felt the pressure of the world. In our own community, we've had three teenagers take their lives in the course of nine, ten or so months. In this community alone. And you think, what is going on? Depression is defined by this. It's a mood disorder. Characterized by anhedonia. Anhedonia is this idea that some things that you once found pleasure in, you don't anymore. You used to enjoy fishing. Now it's like, meh. You used to love cooking and sewing and crafting and you got so much passion out of it and now it's, meh. It's characterized by that. It's characterized by extreme sadness Poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, and feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. And I look at this definition, and I'm like, huh, that's all of us. At some point throughout the week, it's us. And I want to start out this message by saying, I am not a licensed counselor. I'm a pastor, and I want to bring God's truth into it. And if you are struggling with depression, please go see the professionals. I've done a lot of research just to lead into this message because I've never talked about depression. And I've done that, but I want to bring God's hope to you. And if you see a counselor, can I just make this statement? Please see a Christian counselor. There is a big difference between seeing a secular counselor and a Christian counselor. Big difference. you got to go see a Christian counselor. Why? Because counseling's good, but only Jesus Christ brings hope you got to see a Christian counselor. Got to. If you're there, please take my word. Just thank you for your service. I just need Jesus and go get help that way. 
Do you know depression in America alone, one out of nine Americans suffer from this? Do you know one in five have been on an antidepressant medication? And that last year alone, antidepressants, the medication cost went up 300%. And as more medication is out there, the depression rate is rising. That doesn't make sense. And I always say this, anytime someone comes, start out any problem in your life with how am I with God. It starts there. It starts there. Make sure before you do anything else that your relationship with God is where it needs to be. Then move forward from there. Because there's a stigma on depression. There's a stigma is something's wrong with you. There's a stigma also that some believers believe that depression is always, hey, maybe you're sinning and God's going to put depression on your life. That is a lie, first and foremost. Some people will preach that depression is a demon. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's a stigma that we got to remove in Jesus' name that you're, something's wrong with you if you have depression. All of a sudden, mental illness comes along and we say, oh, something's wrong with you. But if you have a cough or a runny nose or a sneeze, we don't think anything's wrong with you. And we got to remove this stigma and we got to become a church that says, hey, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay. Struggle with it. We just don't want to leave you here. We want to help you move forward in Jesus' name and get free of things. We want you to experience the abundant life that Jesus said, I came and died for. So it's okay. Let's be the church that comes in and says, I'm not doing well. Help me. I had a conversation with a gentleman this past week. And um, we had a conversation. And I had more respect for them because they decided to set up an appointment with me and share things that are battling in his life. And I said, you know what? I don't change my opinion on you one bit. What I don't like is seeing men, I'm going to call you guys out, men, men who sit here in the bench every week and think they can handle life. If you could, you would be winning already. So I have more respect for people that come out and say, hey, I'm not okay. And I'll sit there and we'll pray for you and say, hey, I'm so glad. Now let's, how do we get you back on the journey to be okay? Stephen Lillard wrote an incredible book that I, I, I bought as I was preparing for this message to go over. It's called The Depression Cure. And did you know a lot of times depression is related to your lifestyle? And here's what Stephen Lillard said. We are never designed. We were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzy pace of modern life. Man, we are on a go, go, go you wonder why in the Ten Commandments, God said, hey, hey, remember the Sabbath, rest. Almost like God knew we were going to be way too busy. We were going to have a frenzy pace of modern life. And God said, hey, hey, in the midst of it, just hit the pause button. Just hit it. So this morning, I'm going to give you just a couple things that I see um, that I think is also adding to depression. And then we're going to look at some of God's characters and understand how did they get there and how do we get out. But here's just a couple of my own thoughts before we get into God's word. I think cell phones and social media has caused a significant increase in depression. Some of us, we are addicted to our cell phones. We are just, that thing, you go to a meeting, what do people have? There's their cell phone. You can't just leave that aside. All of a sudden, there's a break in anything. What do they go to? 
their cell phone. We're addicted to that thing. And all of a sudden, we get more stress and anxiety when we don't have our cell phone, right? What happens if someone's cell phone goes off right now? What are we all going to do? Turn and look, or we're going to look at our own cell phone to see, make sure it wasn't us, right? Because we all come in here with cell phones. We, we have an addiction to cell phones and social media. Do you know some of the creators and the platforms of social media are now going around apologizing because psychologists realize that social media is literally transforming our brain development. And they are now going around and saying, hey, we are so sorry. We never meant it to be like that. It's just becoming that. And we look at social media. What do people put on their social media? Their highlight reels. Right? How's my new haircut? How come we don't see you without all your makeup and your craziness? You don't see that, right? You see when your kids are getting good grades. Hey, parents, start putting your child's Fs on social media now, all right? Nope. Hey, A on the roll. Ooh, I don't care. Like, no, I do care. Don't get me wrong. I do care. But it's like, why don't you put it when they're on the C on a roll? Or they don't even have a C on a roll, do they? That's probably why they're not putting it on social media. You know, we don't. They put the highlight reel. And all of a sudden, what do we do? We compare our life to everyone's highlight reel. Why do you think depression comes in? Oh, I'm not like them. Why aren't my kids like them? Hey, man, I'll celebrate with you. I'm so glad your child's on the A honor roll, just as I am with this child that's working his tail off and he's getting C's. He's working hard. I tell my kids all the time, do I want you to get all A's? Absolutely. Absolutely. But as long as you give me your best effort, that's what I ask for. Don't be lazy. Just try your best. All right. Rambling. Here we go. Lack of identity. We have an identity crisis in America. Did you know that people that are more sexually active, just trying to figure out their identity, have a significant higher increase in depression? You got to do it God's way, I'm telling you. There's a reason why we have the word of God. Do it his way. You can try the world. God gave you free will. Try it. You'll end up back into his presence because you realize what's out there just doesn't work for me. We have a lack of identity. We have an inability to process pain. When pain comes, what do we do? We medicate it. And I'm not saying medication is wrong, but when we turn to it all the time and we don't turn to Jesus first, we have a problem. We medicate it, we drink it away, or we binge eat it away. And we'll turn to everything, and it just puts itself in that system of cycling all over. Here's a big thing that we see in this new generation. We have peer-to-peer mentoring. You look in Scripture, all throughout God's Word, what do you see? Elders to the younger generation. We've lost track of that, friends. There is a generation that's growing out that is turning to their friends to help them to get out. They're turning to their friends who also have a lack of identity to help them with their identity. It's a pit of cycle. Listen, if you are a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, aunt, uncle, if you are not, if, if, we need you in our kids' ministry and we need you in our youth ministry. In fact, we don't need you. The kids and students of Radiant Life need you. And if you ain't six feet underground, then God can still use you. Forget this, I already got the t-shirt back in the day. I already did that. Good. What are you doing now? Because there's a generation that's growing up that needs to know Jesus and you can have influence. 
And I realized, whoa, youth ministry, crazy. Yeah, they're doing a crazy game. You can sit back and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'll just, woo, good job. You know, that's cool. Do that. And then get into a kid's life and ask them how they're doing. Go to do some of this stuff. These kids need you. No wonder why we have problems. And then lastly, a narcissistic culture. We live in a system today that it's all about me, me, me. That's why we have the term selfie. Right? Think about that. <clears throat> we have a form of picture taking. It's all about you. And then what do we do? Duck lips. Mm. Then listen, we put every filter on it as possible to make us look good, then we post it on this thing right here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, what does God, what does Jesus say? Hey, hey, two greatest commandments, love God and love others. You know what we've turned it into? Love me. That's the culture we're in today, love me. I'll eventually take care of you, maybe, but right now I'm just loving me. And what, is, as, what, is, what does culture do with this? They turn to suicide because they can't handle all this. And I want you to know this morning that suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. Listen, your problem is temporary. Just like ocean waves come crashing, they recede. Your problems will recede. It's just a season. But an issue with suicide, it's permanent. There's no going back. And what you leave in the wake of your decision is devastating. I think suicide is the most selfish thing someone can do. Because the broken pieces are now carried by your family members and your friends. Always wondering, what could I have done different? What could I have done different? And you got to know that you don't have to die to end your pain. You don't have to. Your pain will come, but just as fast as it comes, your pain will go. It's just a season. It's just a season. So you need to know if you've got suicide thoughts or have been thinking about it, you need this number. This, this is the National um, Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. If you've got classmates, if you've got relatives, if you've got coworkers, family members, you need this. There are licensed counselors waiting on the line to hear and just talk you through what you're experiencing. We need this more in our lives. Actually, Pastor Rick Warren, who wrote the book Purpose Driven Life, um, he and his wife Kay had a son by the name of Matthew. Matthew faced depression, and a couple of years ago, Matthew, uh, Pastor Rick Warren's son, took his own life. And he went on this tour, and he actually took a sabbatical from his church. Him and Kay stepped back and says, we got to figure out what is mental illness, and how does faith interweave in mental illness? And they went on this tour of just talking about suicide and depression, and Pastor Rick Warren says, every believer needs this in their Bible. Every believer needs this in this wallet to help a brother or sister out that's struggling. Get help. But here's the thing. You're not alone. If you, if you feel like you've been depressed or feel like you're ending your life, because the, there's several characters in the Bible that you're probably going to relate to who's been in your shoes. 
The prophet Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations. Look what he says about his life. He's a prophet. He's the mouthpiece of God. And he says, I've been deprived of peace and I've forgotten what prosperity is. And maybe for some of us this morning, we forgot what it looked like to have it good and just be like, man, I'm well in my soul. You've forgotten. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. The mouthpiece of God, the prophet Jeremiah says, you know what? My hope is gone. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And I think that's where a lot of us are. We got really good memories. And we sit there and what psychologists call it is we ruminate. That idea of like a cow and it chews, it's just chewing and chewing. And that's what we do with negativity. Well, my dad was, my, my kids just won't do, my boss, you don't understand, he's just this, this, this. My spouse is, and we just chew and remember all the bad things. And that's what Jeremiah says. And then he goes on, hey, and because of that, listen, my soul's downcast within me. It's just, I'm just done. It's just too much. And then Paul writes to the church in Corinth, this first time generation followers of Jesus. And, and he says, you know what? We don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, there's some things that I got I to gotta tell you that I haven't told you yet. Because he's writing to this church to how to live like Jesus, how to live like Jesus. And he's like, listen, brothers and sisters, I haven't told you about the, the troubles we experience in the providence of Asia. Watch this. We're under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. And here's the greatest missionary of the first century world just saying, hey, hey, pressure got to us, friends. Life got to us and we despaired life. We just done, done. You're not alone in this. And it's okay not to be okay. Let's get you to being okay in Jesus' name. Amen? So this morning what I'm going to quickly do, because we don't have time, and what I'm going to encourage you is we're going to look a little bit at 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to give you a couple verses, but go home and read the rest of the story where we, where we finish. Just read the rest of the story. And we're going to jump into the life of Elijah. So turn to your neighbor and say, Elijah. Because we can't confuse Elijah with Elisha which they both, their stories interweave together. But the guy, he's a prophet. He's the mouthpiece of, of God. And Elijah's going to experience what many biblical scholars would say, pretty much that's what depression would look like. And what's interesting about Elijah is our story takes place uh, right after this major win for Elijah. Like he's on cloud nine. And he just defeated 400 prophets of Baal. Baal was a pagan god, and they were on top of Mount Carmel. And on the top of Mount Carmel, they're having like a war. Hey, is your god real? Is my god real? Who's real? And so Elijah says, hey, let's try to rain down fire on these sacrifices. And so, hey, you 400 prophets of Baal, call down fire. Let's see if your god will burn this up, and I'll call down my god, see if he'll do the same. And the prophets of Baal, they tried, they tried, and obviously nothing happens. And Elijah's like, boom, done. And then he puts to the sword 
400 prophets of Baal. Like cloud nine, right? That's like one versus 400, and he did it. And you got to go out of there like thinking big victory right there. Like, woo, yeah, baby, I can take on the world right now. And all of a sudden, let's read together what happens to him. Cloud nine experience. First Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And now Ahab, who's king, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. She's, Ahab's telling Jezebel, hey, this guy, dude, he's on cloud nine. He's rocking it right now in his life. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like that of one of them. Cloud nine, and then all of a sudden he gets this message. Hey, one person may want to kill me. Hey, Elijah, you had 400 on the top of Mount Carmel that was about ready to kill you. And now one. And Elijah's response Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Really? Like, Elijah, come on. You did it. Your God just provided for you, and you're afraid of this one person now? And it says he came to Beersheba in Judah, and he left his servant there. We're going to come back. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. I don't know about you, have you ever just had a day where you like knocked it out of the park, you're on cloud nine, and then one circumstance changes everything, and you're on cloud nine, and now you're in the valley, and you're like, wow, really? For me, sometimes it can be Sunday morning where, man, I leave, there's like, woo, that was awesome, incredible, God was moving, we, people got saved and experienced Jesus, and I go home, and I may crash her a little bit, and then get like kind of down. And then I'll, I'll think about that one thing I said, and I'm like, eh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe I should have worded it differently. And I could just focus on that little thing instead of the big thing. And my wife, you know, may come up to me and ask me what's wrong. And, hey, come over here, Ryan. I was like, okay, you know. And then, then I won't tell you everything else that happened afterwards. <laughs> I got out of the valley real quick, all right. And... Uh, but you know what else that I work is, is, is just worship music to help me get up back up. Help me get back up out of the valley. And here Elijah, man, top of the mountain, now he's in the valley. And he says he came to a broom bush, sat under, <laughs> prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. God, send it now. I'm done. Three quick things that I see in these first four verses that help us, that unfortunately lead us maybe into a pit of depression and our soul being downcast is number one, faulty thinking. Faulting, faulty what, friends? Thinking. thinking. Faulty The enemy is called a deceiver. He's a father of lies. And too many of us have been believing those and and been lying to ourselves for far too long. And in Jesus' name, we need to break free of that. Stop lying to yourself. Start believing God's truth 
And here's what Paul writes to the church in Philippi about their thinking. He says, hey, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, is admirable, if anything is excellent or what, friends? Think about these things. And listen, and the God of peace will be with you. Some of us, we just need to get, and you, you look good outwardly, but inwardly you've been lying far too long, and you're ready to believe the words of God and walk in peace now. Stop it. We lie to ourselves. And the enemy's a deceiver, and he's going to lie to you. And really, Elijah, one message after cloud nine, 400 prophets, you're going to believe one after God just showed up for you. Yeah. Here's the second thing. second thing is isolation. Is isolation. You know you can be around people but still be very lonely. You know what the worst person to listen to when you're hurting is? You. Why? Because you got faulty thinking going on. And it's you. You cannot do life alone. What does Elijah do when he's down in the valley? Remember, he left his servant there. Walked away. He walked away from community. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do in your own life. Hey, you're hurting? Walk away from church. Hey, you're hurting? Don't tell anyone. No! If you could do it alone, you would already beat it. Men, I'm going to pick on you. Why? Because women tend to gravitate towards community more than men. It's just a fact. Men, we're too prideful sometimes. Hey, we're launching this 33 series from the creators of Men's Fraternity. Some of you right now need to grab your card and circle M and sign up for this thing. It's six weeks. That's all we're asking. I'm too busy. Well, then you're going to continue to be in your faulty thinking and be depressed. We'll make excuses for anything, won't we? I don't want to do it. You need to grab your neighbors and sign them up. We, men, you need this. Here's what we also, week two, and I talked about this last week. We need, you need to sign up for next steps because week two is all about community and how you can get plugged in at Radiant Life in community. And we start this next week. And some of you are going to be at a table. You've never met more people in your life. And this is a small way to say, as we say, as we get bigger, we got to get smaller. This is a way to meet new people and get in community. And I love what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. He says, a person standing alone can be attacked and what, friends? Defeated. But two can stand back to back and what? Hey, you're being defeated because you're fighting alone. Get with people. You have a choice. Be alone and isolated, you're going to get defeated. Get in community, get in a small group or whatever. Listen, listen, you'll be victorious. You'll start conquering, conquering. And then guess what? Three are even better. Just bring it on. Well, I'm lonely. I, I, I don't like groups. I just like being to myself. Well, guess what? I'm an introvert too. Hey, introverts, raise your hand if you're an introvert. Yeah, see, 90% of introverts aren't raising their hands. <laughs> they just don't want to. Right? Hey, I need alone time too. 
but I don't need alone time when I'm struggling. That's when I don't need it. Hey, three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Here's the third thing I see in just those first four chapters is comparison. We're really good at this. Notice what Elijah said at the end. He's like, hey, I'm not like my ancestors, God. They're better, not me. I'm not like them. Listen, you live for an audience of one. You live for an audience of one. All that matters is what he thinks. Nobody else. I live for an audience of one. Turn to your neighbor and say, you live for one. Turn to your neighbor and say, you definitely better know to live for one. And tell them you were my second choice. You just didn't make the cut for team A. That's all right. Still love you. Galatians says this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Listen, you live for one. So, we only hit the first four verses. We just don't have time to go probably through verse 5 to 20. Read 5 through 20 and see how does Elijah get out of the funk. And you know what? One thing real quick I can just tell you is an angel appears to him says, hey, get up. And what's Elijah doing? He's napping. You know, first in the first of those verses, Elijah's napping a lot. Maybe someone, hey, napping's good for us, amen? Some of us just need to go home and just take a little nap and then get some little food and go nap again, all right? Just nap, 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 nap. But what's really cool is the angel appears, and you know what the angel says? Hey, wake up from your nap. You got things to do. I know you're in the pit, but you got things to do because I got, you got to go anoint Elisha now, and he's going to rise and lead now. Come on, I got things for you to do. And you know how he gets them up and going? He gives them bread. I like to add, he probably gave a little warm butter on that bread too, right? Hey, keto dieters. See, it's in the Bible. They give you bread. Bread. It's good for you. Hey, you keep dieting. Do your thing. I'm just saying. Good bread, butter, hot biscuit with butter. Mmm, man. It does something to your soul, Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm a little hungry for some biscuits and gravy right now, too. All right. Hey, three things. If you read 5 through 19, three things Elijah does that I'm going to point out super fast. Let's get out of the funk. How do we do it if we're feeling depressed? Number one, hey, pour my heart out to God. Pour my what, friends? Heart out to God. Listen, your God can handle, handle your anger and your mess and your frustrations. He's big. Shout. Scream, do whatever, get it off of your chest onto the one who can carry the weight for you. Don't carry it yourself. Your God is big. Man, I have screamed at God before, I'm telling you, I've screamed at him. I have. It felt good. I can't do that all the time to my kids or my wife or I would be out on the streets. But I can do it to him and he can take it. Because I just feel better and say, hey, thanks God. Just thanks for listening to my frustration. And I've got some things that are just working out. Poor. Watch what. I love how, what Jesus says on that. He says, hey, come to me. I think Jesus, just put a period right there. Just be done. Hey, just come to me. Because the problem is we run to the world for everything. And then maybe Jesus. Hey, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Welcome to the 21st century, friends. And I will give you rest. 
And as a result, listen, you'll find rest for your souls. You'll find exactly what you need in this fast-paced modern life that we live. Here's the second thing, Elijah. Elijah got to experience the power and presence of God. He got to literally get physically fed spiritually, got back up, went out, and anointed Elisha. He did eventually what God needed him to do. He was in a funk, but he got out of the funk. He didn't get out of the funk alone. He needed the angel to come to him and say, hey, you've got this. You've got the presence of God with you. Now go. Hey, for some of us, we just need, you just need to start listening to worship music when you're out in the pit and you're like, man, I'm depressed. Help you with, what are you hearing? Because if you aren't worshiping, you're probably hearing yourself lie to yourself or you're hearing the lies of the enemy. Get up. And here's the last thing. Worship team, you'll come up. Oh, let God give me a new purpose and a new direction for my life. Because I can't keep doing what I'm doing right here. I can't. New purpose. You were created for a purpose. We just got to get on what that track is. And we may, have, we may have been on that track and we jumped off for a bit, but we're going we're gonna to get back on that track, that purpose and that direction that God has for my life. I'm there and I'm riding it. And the psalmist says this. You want to do this? Be what, friends? Brian, have you seen my calendar? I work and I work and I get home and I got stuff to do in the house and then it's just bed and I can't be still. Almost like the writer of this psalm knew exactly what you and I would face in life. Because as a result, we're going to be still and no. Switch no is the word yada. Let me hear you say yada. It's a fun word. It's the same word that's used when there are marital relationships between a husband and a wife in the Older Testament. When they have intimacy, it's they, they, they know each other. It's they yada. And the writer's saying, hey, you just got to be still. And yada, that you know who God is in your life. But I can't because I just can't shut everything out. It's crazy. It's fast-paced. Ken, God gives you the formula. We just got to go do it now. Stop letting your calendar dictate what you do in your life. Take back your calendar in Jesus' name this year. Nuh-uh. Hey, some of us have to learn the art of saying no. I'm going to step back. No, I, I, that sounds good, but I can't do it. You know, at the beginning of December, I was, I was struggling personally for about a week and a half, two weeks maybe. During the Christmas season, I love the Christmas season. And I, there was a point where I'm like, literally, just get done, get done, get done, get the season over with. And I was just, I was in a funk. I was just not feeling it. And just crying out to God during those times. And I just, I wasn't good. Just my soul was downcast. And, um, I started to listen to worship music more and more. Every morning I get in the shower, I'm going to listen to worship music during that week and a half. Uh, period in December. And you know what song that got me back up out of that funk? It was Build My Life. That it is a firm foundation. That if I'm going to move forward, I'm going to build my life on who Jesus Christ is. And I got here, Christmas Eve Eve services, 
Man, and I was on fire. We had over a thousand people, over 30 people, first time salvations. And I'm like, God's good. And I'm on fire. And I got my one word discipline. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to bring it every week like I just got saved last night. And you should too. But here's what I want to know. I want you to know for all of us in this whole series of breaking free, we're all broken. We all got that loose screw somewhere. Some of us just a little more than others. That's all right. But there's hope. Because God uses broken people. He uses you. With all your hang-ups and your baggage and he'll use me. And it's a journey. And God says, if you bring it, hey, I'll get those kinks out. Hey. We'll, we'll break free of those strongholds. You can't do it alone. You need me. So this morning I'm going to ask if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes before we sing. Some of you this morning, all you've known your whole life is just the brokenness. That's all you've battled. And you just need Jesus this morning. You need to start that relationship with him now. You're done with these things. So I'll give you that opportunity here this morning. Just say this prayer in your heart. Just say it quietly. Just say, Heavenly Father, I need you. Come into my life. I put my hope and trust into you, Jesus. I believe you went to the cross for me. Died for my sins rose three days later defeated death and sin thank you for freeing me thank you for forgiving me and help me to walk this life in the purpose you've designed me for and if that was you this morning all, all eyes are still closed we're going to give you just an opportunity to respond to that and I'm not going to make you do anything weird because I don't like weird things either. I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up on the count of three because we believe here at Radiant Life, an outward expression of an inward decision, it just does something for your soul to say, hey, I'm in. I'm all into Jesus. I've had my hangups, but I'm in. So I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up on the count of three. One, God loves you. Two, you are free this morning in Jesus' name. Three, if that was you this morning. Yes, Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else this morning? That's you this morning. Yes, I see your hands. Thank you. Father, we thank you for new life. We thank you for freedom. And God, we thank you that you use broken people like us with all our hurts, with all our baggage. And we're made new in Jesus' name. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said...